Welcome to the EchoCast, the podcast about video game news, speculation, rumors, and reviews. I am your host, Morgan, aka Bond Diesel, and this week I'll be covering Xbox's acquisition nears an end, maybe, Larry Herb leaves Xbox, aka Major Nelson, Baldur's Gate 3 Bear Sex, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button on this video, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or just to say hello. A special thanks to all of my patrons, including producer-level patrons Hassan and Horseman, supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix, as well as viewer-level patron Zinra. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Before we get into gaming news, I do want to beg and plead if you're on the Spotify app or if you're listening to this through iTunes or if whatever platform you're on allows reviews, please leave a review. I would really appreciate it. At least do the five stars. If you can type up a nice little message, I'll even read them on the podcast. I'll start off the episode with the most recent reviews and I'll read them. Uh, if they're nice, if they're mean, we'll see. If it's good criticism, I'll think about it. Gaming news. This week we have 10 topics. The first topic is the FTC loses its injunction preventing Xbox's acquisition of ABK Activision Blizzard King. So this has had some developments even since yesterday when I put together this script. And so where we're at is uh, the FTC, you know, for the last few weeks, they've been introducing um, evidence, interviewing various people, uh, both at Xbox and the other platforms and uh, at developers and things like that. And the the point was that the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, it too controls these types of deals um, within the United States, which is obviously a pretty big part of this deal going through. Uh, they didn't have an actual hearing until like August, I believe, but they knew that the deadline for this deal to go through was in July. Uh, it's actually the 18th. And so what they did is they filed an injunction to try to prevent Xbox and Activision from just going through with the deal before that, that hearing even happens, which they can technically do. And so this whole this part of the action was to try to prevent them from doing that before the actual uh, trial or whatever you want to call it. The uh, what happened is it didn't work. The, the FTC got shut down by the judge. They basically deemed that they didn't prove that this was going to be bad for competition. Uh, they, they basically didn't prove that, um, you know, it, it, it was going to uh, be bad for the marketplace. Uh, Xbox did a pretty good job of being like, we're in third place. We suck. Please let us do this. Uh, despite Sony and others, you know, trying to argue the opposite. 
Now, what's interesting about it is that even the judge, I think, basically said the FTC did a really good job of trying to basically like support uh, PlayStation, but didn't do a very good job supporting their own case, which I would imagine legally is a pretty big burn when you're the FTC who's supposed to be supporting and, and, and advocating for customers and for the public. Uh, and uh, that was an interesting thing. Now, what's happened since then is that ruling happened in theory it meant that the acquisition could go through before the 18th then the ftc appealed that decision and basically said that there was no legal standing for the decision and as of tonight what has already happened is that appeal has been denied uh and that as of midnight tonight pacific time i'm recording this on friday uh the 14th uh, the deal can go through and it's almost certainly going to uh, more than likely, I would guess Monday, they're going to announce it. Uh, the one last block in this is that they uh, they may have made a deal with the CMA. Now, that's the equivalent to the FTC in the United Kingdom. And you may say, like, wait, the EU already approved the deal. Why is this still a thing? And if you remember, it's because of Brexit. Uh, the United Kingdom left the EU. So they are their own independent country economically and, and with these kind of decisions. So the CMA uh, a few months ago uh, said no to the deal. They said that they wouldn't approve it. And it was based on a bunch of cloud gaming concerns, which is still like kind of baffling. I think to most people, it doesn't make sense. And I think that uh, I think that's I don't think it's going to matter. And, and for two reasons. One, Microsoft has already made it pretty clear that like if if the CMA is the only agency who, who blocks it, then we can work around that. If the United States blocked it, it would have killed the deal. But the United Kingdom being its own little market, being a significant market, but not being as big, basically what they probably would have done was had Activision be handled by a third party publisher, like an embracer group or someone like that. Uh, just in that one country, and then they would go about business as usual everywhere else in the world. Um, now, the second factor there and what's happening, what's kind of come to light today is the CMA extended out their deadline for when they have to make a, a, a decision on the appeal, specifically mentioning that they may be making a new deal with Xbox and they have to extend their time frame because they may have to re-examine the whole thing based on this new deal. Now, it is expected that their re-examination may literally only take a day or two because it probably means that Xbox is giving them what they want. And the prediction right now is that Xbox is going to divest from the cloud gaming uh, portion of at least providing Activision, Blizzard, King titles through cloud gaming in the United Kingdom. So then they will utilize one of the, uh, maybe one of the United Kingdom streaming game services or something like that just for Activision, which would probably be fairly easy because they've uh, essentially made deals with everyone that you can make a deal with uh, to do this. So the saga may be coming to an end. I kind of hope it is. I, I think that uh, this deal, I'm not huge on consolidation, but I do think sometimes it can work in context. And I think this is one of those contexts where whether it was ABK or an EA or an Ubisoft that strengthening Microsoft as the third place platform 
and it probably won't propel them to second or first place, uh, at least not in the short term, but it's going to make the gap between one and two and three way closer when it comes to console sales and things like that, because Game Pass is going to be very competitive, uh, even more than it already is. You already have good hardware in the Series X and the S, I guess, um, and it's going to make their product much more desirable. And what people just need to need to realize, and it comes down to a story later on in this show, you know, Sony, I'm not going to say they're like evil or something. They're not. They're just a business, but they are rather anti-consumer and they're able to be that way. And, and Nintendo does this stuff, too, because they have no real competition. Like Xbox is doing OK. They're selling about half, it seems like, of what PlayStation is, which is still really good. PlayStation is selling insane numbers of consoles and stuff like that to do half of what they're doing. Still pretty good. But the closer Xbox can get that to them, the less often you're going to see Sony doing a bunch of this weird stuff where they feel emboldened to not be really cool with doing, uh, you know, cross-platform, uh, you know, multiplayer stuff, even today, or charging ex exorbitant amounts uh, to companies to do that stuff. You won't see them re-releasing games a couple years after they come out as remasters, uh, even though the games still look like as good as anything that's coming out right now. Uh, you know, we'll get to that story if you know what I'm talking about. So I think... Now, I think if this deal goes through and Xbox then goes and buys EA or something, then we're going to get in some territory where it's going to start looking kind of bad. Like they, they need to finally utilize all of these studios they've acquired over the last five, six years and actually show we can put out multiple bangers in a row. Uh, and, and that's what I think I hope this next year, two years is going to be. Okay, story number two. Larry Herb is stepping down from his role at Xbox. So this is pretty big news. Um, I don't know how much it will impact the short-term or even long-term future of Xbox. Um, Larry Herb is very much a historical figure at Xbox. Um, has become much, uh, very much a, a customer-facing individual. He does their official Xbox podcast. He does, I think it's like a thing like this week in Xbox. Um, he, he seems like he's, he kind of uh, worked himself into a position where he could kind of just like do a podcast and like do some fun stuff with community and stuff like that. Uh, and he's not necessarily in like these hard hitting roles like he used to be. He used to be a pretty big advisor with like um, third party developers and things like that. Uh, and it seems like he's kind of taken a step back from that really intense role anyways in recent years. Um, but now he's stepping back from the company entirely. And uh, it is a, you know, it's a significant change. It's, it's him not being there will be weird. And so, uh, you know. You know, happy trails to him. I, I hope it it kind of seems like I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up, uh, at, you know, heading up some publisher or even at like the head of a dev or something like that. Uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see what he ends up doing. He will almost certainly end up on like 20 different boards, uh, much like um, uh, the Fizeme, uh, the old Nintendo, uh, you know, uh, leader. So, um it's it's a it's major nelson in case i didn't already say it uh it, it, it's gonna be weird without him there it's he's such a uh, a staple of xbox um you know i'm sure there's gonna be people who try to sensationalize this 
I, I wouldn't. I think he's been there for like 25 years. He's not young. He's also not really that old. I suspect he's looking for another challenge or two before he does like actually retire. And, um, you know, I think you can appreciate the things that he's done uh, for Xbox. And I suspect that maybe sticking around until this Activision deal, um, you know, kind of wrapped up was maybe his kind of last. I don't think he really had anything to do with it, but I suspect he just wanted to be around. And maybe with him seeing that that's probably wrapping up, maybe he's decided to uh, to hit the road. So uh, big uh, appreciation to Larry Herb, uh, to Major Nelson. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next. Uh, we had an announcement from EA is the third story here. Uh, they announced a new studio that's going to be working on, on a Black Panther game. Um, the studio is called Cliffhanger Games. It's just like all of these announcements go. It's led by a veteran team of developers who have worked at this big studio and that big studio and this other one. Um, at, at, at this point. Um, none of those announcements are um, are really that surprising, uh, it, but you know, um, it's it's exciting. Now, if you are thinking like, oh, I thought I already knew about a Black Panther game, uh, there is a non EA Black Panther game where it's Black Panther and Captain America, and it's being done by uh, not by EA. It's specifically not by EA. Uh, the lead on that game, uh, on, on the the Captain America game. Uh, used to be at EA and was supposed to do a Star Wars game and the, they ended up canceling it on there. It was during EA's era of no single player games and now she left there and now she's doing uh, this this Black Panther uh, Captain America game at another studio. But EA and this studio are doing a Black Panther game and it sounds like this is going to be more modern one with like a more modern Black Panther where that Captain America game is going to take place during World War II. And it's going to be, I believe it's T'Chaka, which is, I believe, T'Challa's father. I may have those names mixed up, but like from the movies and stuff, if that's what you're familiar with, it's how I know it all. It's the dad. It's the dad who passes away in one of the movies. Um, it's going to be about him and his relationship with Captain America back in the day where this EA game is going to be uh, one that takes place after the sun has is no longer Black Panther. And it's going to be a Black Panther, presumably, that we are going to create ourselves. And um, it's going to have, like, supposedly, like, choices you make and things like that. So it should be really interesting. It sounds like it's going to be kind of like an RPG Black Panther game. And um, I think that will be a fun uh thing to look into for this uh for the marvel games because so far we've basically just gotten these like kind of paint by numbers like you know i know the spider-man game on on playstation and the upcoming sequel are beloved and, and people really love them but you know they're, they're they're kind of linear in their own way and so i'm um, i'm excited to see what ea does with this again it's just even more of a dedication to doing these you know, single player games and especially these RPG ish games coming from EA for whatever reason, they've decided to go back down that path. And I am I am OK with it. Uh, story number f uh, four, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor Survivor likely has a sequel in the works. 
uh, on the respawn hiring page, people spotted some listings that seemed to pretty clearly state that they're working on Jedi Survivor um, or the sequel to Jedi Survivor uh, and, and the next game. It's um, citing and the reason people believe it's uh, the, the next game and not like DLC is because it's specifically asking for Unreal Engine 5 experience, which uh, the Survivor is on Unreal Engine 4. So it seems pretty likely. Uh, it seems like this was always envisioned as a trilogy. Um, they, uh, I know they kind of said that it may not get, you know, it, it's going to depend on performance to a point. Uh, and there's a lot of people, including myself, who feel that uh, Survivor is among the best games of this year. And it's currently my game of the year. Um, so I'm excited for this. The way that that game ended, the way the story was told was so good, the relationships and everything in it, just great. I would love to kind of see that wrap up. And I really hope this third game is kind of this really awesome, um, you know, just kind of wrap up of the whole story and that we we get to see uh, where it's all going. The, the problem with these Star Wars games is that they take place like in the middle of timelines. So you have like a vague idea of where it's going to go. And, and like, you know, there's things that, you know, like can't happen, but, you know, you still enjoy it and they still do a really good job of telling these stories. And um, yeah, the story of Survivor is one of my favorite stories from a game I've ever played through. So um, definitely excited to see the uh, the third game in this uh, in this series. We had an interesting announcement this week. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is coming to PC. We knew that already, but they had kind of held back on the requirements, which everyone was looking out for. Because if you remember, uh, Sony marketing uh, during the release of the PS5 um, was not very shy about saying like, you know, Rift Apart only possible on PlayStation 5 because it has this at the time really advanced uh, M.2 NVMe SSD, you know, you know, even other systems couldn't play this. It, you know, it was suggesting that the Xbox's uh, SSD was, would be too slow to play a game. And, and this whole gimmick is that they, the game has these rifts where you go from one unique uh, environment and game world, and you can look into and then enter another. And it, 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 it's exactly what it was. It was a gimmick. And I even remember after the game came out a while ago, I think it was Digital Foundry or one of the other like analysis uh, YouTube's uh, YouTube channels was like, and eh, the tech they're using for these rifts doesn't actually look like it requires even an SSD at all. It probably makes it run smoother, but that it's the, the trick they're doing um, mostly because it was, it was, it was pretty, um, limited and how how and when you can use these and so the, it it was not really what you know and then you had people pushing back like oh no 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 well now we know that that it was just a gimmick which is fine it's a beloved game it sounds like it's a really good game um but the the base requirements or the minimum requirements for rift apart on pc is a is a hard drive it, it doesn't even require an ssd let alone an m.2 nvme ssd uh it, it it'll work with an, a hard drive now the graphics are going to be probably pretty low and things like that but it, it kind of shows that you know maybe that was a bit of bluster and to a point it goes back to Sony's big um, statement, even though it ended up being false, that they believe in generations. And 
it makes it pretty clear that they probably could have put Rift apart on the PS4 and especially the PS4 Pro, uh, but they made a conscious decision not to, even though it would have worked because those consoles had hard drives unless you replaced them. Um, you know, they 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 probably could have sold it on those systems, and you know there there wasn't a, a limitation like they kind of acted like there was, but that's okay. It's uh, it's the way this stuff works. Uh, you know, both of these new consoles have 8K on their box, even though they specify in very tiny letters. That's only for playback. You know, they all get into a bit of bluster. Uh, and even I believe the Series X had that one, uh, it was the Bloober Team game that would switch from, you know, like the dead world to the living world, and you could do it at, at any time. And it was like simultaneously rendering two worlds. Well, that game ended up not really being that good, but the tech really was pretty impressive. Um, and I believe it actually did require the, the SSD, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's so cool. You know, I love seeing these Sony games come to PC. I hate that they artificially delay it and at least in my opinion um you know that they are still so stuck on prioritizing selling consoles that uh that they they they, they at least somewhat tank their their game sales in the long run uh by not doing day and day with pc but uh sony's doing just fine any decisions they make like this my commentary doesn't matter because they're the ones making billions of dollars and leading the gaming platform race. So maybe ignore my uh, bias. Okay, the next story, 87% of classic games are unavailable. Uh, there was a study done by the Video Game History Foundation and what they found was that 87% of classic games. Now, I don't know what their exact definition was of classic games, but they, they basically pointed out that unless you have an old system with one of the cartridges or CDs or whatever it used, you know, a lot of these games are not available on, you know, you know, more modern systems, uh, you know, as downloads or, you know, as ROMs. And things like that, because you have a lot of these companies and Nintendo being the biggest one who is just against any hint of, you know, doing ROMs and, and doing any kind of, you know, legal gray area stuff. And so um, and, and something people don't think about is that a lot of modern games are in this exact same position, if not worse. Um, a couple of my favorite games I've ever played, uh, The Division and Division 2, these are games that the server side is so integral to them that even if you've never matchmade or played with another player, the online connection and the servers are 100% essential and necessary to play these games to the point where in Division 1 and 2, and, and this is becoming way more common in a lot of games, um, the, the enemy AI is controlled by the server side. Uh, you, you aren't even playing against AI that's being done on your side of the of the cable. And what that means is that one day they're going to shut down the Division 1 and 2 servers and those games will be unplayable. And I've seen a lot of people being like, well, maybe they'll release a patch or people will figure out. No, they won't. The, the Snowdrop engine in this case was not designed for people to like rig it up. 
it's 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 done it's gonna be done one day like there will come a day and and ubisoft is admittedly pretty good about keeping servers up for their games for a really long time ea actually is too a lot of these companies i i assume they 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 basically track and see how many people are playing them and then you know make decisions there but a day will come uh and the difference is that at least with these classic games if you can make new hardware or if you can preserve the ROMs and stuff, you can play them still. But with these newer games, these especially these online required games, they will just be done when those servers are shut down. There there will be there will be no coming back. And it's it's weird. It's a weird thing to think about that these games that I love will just just disappear into the into the sky. I don't know what you do about it. It's a lot of this stuff using server side stuff to help um is is pretty integral to games right now um especially in cross-platform games where they were using the servers to help these underpowered consoles do stuff uh you know we're already getting to the point in next gen or current gen games where they're probably gonna start doing that pretty heavily again so that's not going away so we'll see how that goes uh, TwitchCon Paris happened last week. Uh, they did some announcements, nothing that big. Uh, there was an interesting thing that they uh, that Twitch pointed out that they're going to introduce like stories, which is going to be similar to the reels and stuff that you've seen and uh, other platforms. This like short video content that goes away after 24 hours. Um, this is interesting because I, I actually see the the strength in it, um, as we've seen Twitter kind of get weird um and then people flocking off to all these different platforms to maybe try to be the next big one um i think twitch having the ability to let their creators put out these little videos where you're announcing your next stream or a big giveaway or you know some other you know pertinent content to your to your viewers and your followers i i I see this as a great way for creators to have a direct line to their followers and their subscribers and such, because um, what I actually wish we had was I, I, I wish that we had um, Twitch used to have like a wall, you know, like Facebook or something where you could post links and you could post, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. And I, um, I, I, I really wish that we uh, still had that. Um, because I found it a really good way to post links to things I was doing and other content and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think this is a good start. Maybe they'll move back that direction. I, I don't know. Okay, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, they <laughs> did a big, crazy stream recently. And uh, we found out that uh, a few things, a bunch of stuff, actually. But we found out that you can have sex with a bear. Uh, it's not actually a bear. It's a druid who can turn into a bear. Uh, but there, they showed some cutscenes that were pretty um, interesting, and uh, I, I think that they will um, be, uh, you know, gaining a lot of people's interest with some of this kind of wacky stuff. Um, they also cleared up that the early access doesn't work the way people thought everyone thought, including myself, that the PC version was going to be three days earlier with a digital deluxe version. Um, but that's only on PlayStation, which makes it come out the same day as the PC version comes out and the PC one doesn't change. I felt like that was pretty badly handled to be totally honest, but 
you know, we're moving on, we're past it. And um, this game seems like it's going to be kind of like a dark horse to come out and really impress a lot of people and be really exciting for just a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm not really into um, uh, turn-based gameplay, but I'm willing to give it a shot because everything else about this game just looks so exciting. Okay, um, Mass Effect video. So I put out a couple of Mass Effect videos this week. Um, one about some logo changes on the EA app. Uh, so you can go check those out on YouTube. Uh, the, the logo changes one was kind of interesting to me because uh, some people on Reddit noticed that uh, the Mass Effect 2 and 3 and the Legendary Edition logos only on the EA app had all been whited out where they used to have like a red detail in them. And if you looked on like Steam and other places, they still had that. Um, that appears to be a branding thing they're doing on that app in general. It looks like there's other games as well that have gone to straight up white logos. I don't know why they're doing it. Um, my initial prediction was that maybe the, the, the Mass Effect team is working on the branding for that franchise. And maybe that's why they did it. But it looks like they did it with more than those games. So I don't know. But go check that video out if you want some of my more detailed thoughts. I also did a breakdown of a Reddit thread people um, basically gave their opinions on what they want to see for the protagonist in the next game. And um, I, I broke a bunch of those down and gave some of my own thoughts. And so uh, over on YouTube, please go check those videos out and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, and the final thing here is that Xbox is introducing a voice reporting system. And so what it's going to do is it's going to allow you to record basically voice interactions uh, on you know Xbox Live and, and use those as part of a report of people being toxic, saying inappropriate things like doxing people and things like that. And they're going to use that as ways to block people. And I suspect if you catch someone with their straight up voice uh, this way, they're going to have like permanent bans. So I think this is awesome. Um, Xbox, I, I believe, recently got kind of uh, slammered by some of the regulatory bodies here in the United States for allowing too much like interaction, especially with kids, where kids are being contacted inappropriately by adults, and there is stuff going on that shouldn't have been. Um, but they've made some pretty big strides in you know trying to address that, and I think some of the other platforms, and really just a bunch of other internet sources could really probably take a hint or, or take some advice here uh, so good on them i'm glad that they did this so okay uh, we have some listener questions now if you have your own question be sure to use the google form a question air uh, that's down uh, in uh, in my uh, twitter uh, or on the Discord. You can also ask in the Discord. Uh, you can ask in the YouTube comments, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast. Master Prime asked underrated game soundtracks. Uh, my answer will always be uh, NCAA Football 06. It has this weird indie kind of soundtrack where all of the NCAA football games before and after used uh, the fight songs from the different colleges and universities as its soundtrack. But this one year, uh, 2006, NCAA football 06, had this weird soundtrack with like the Pixies and stuff in it. And it was awesome. And it introduced me to a bunch of music I still love today. And uh, that will be my underrated game soundtrack because it's a NCAA football game. And I bet no one else thinks about it. Uh, Master Prime asked if I've tried any of the Yakuza games. I did try Like a Dragon. I played it for a couple hours. I, I 
I can't get into it. That game is ugly as sin. I know people love it. Like I'm the one who's wrong. I that's fine. I just couldn't get in. I hated. I get it's supposed to be like goofy and weird, and it's like the whole stick. And I know some people love that game. Um, and I know that game is a lot different than some of the others. I'm good. I, I can tell that whole franchise is just a something I can appreciate from afar. Uh, how do you feel about Bethesda becoming a one game per generation developer? I think it's a bummer. I, I, I think it's um, I think it's weird because you have to look forward and realize that the reason it is that is basically because I think um, I think Todd Howard uh, maybe likes to have control, especially after Fallout 76. And I think that they could make more games if they, you know, like allowed two different teams to make full scale games. But I suspect that at least while Todd Howard is there, he's um, that's not going to happen. I, I think that we're going to get the Elder Scrolls game after Starfield and then the Fallout game. And I'm willing to bet the, the Fallout 5 is going to be his final game. Um, I think them being part of Xbox now and having, you know, um, like Obsidian back in the same publisher, uh, we could see maybe uh, Bethesda allow another developer to make like a New Vegas type of game that, you know, like after Starfield comes out, maybe that the creation engine in that state, they will allow another developer to make a game in the Fallout or Elder Scrolls or even Starfield universe that isn't Bethesda uh, because it worked out really well with, with New Vegas. Um, but yeah, I think it just is what it is. I don't expect it to change until Todd Howard's gone. And then when he leaves there one day, I'll be curious if they can still make the games uh, in the way that they make them. We'll see. Uh, YouTube's had a couple questions. I uh, said, uh, do you believe there are any ability powers in Mass Effect that stretch the lore to the extent where it probably only exists in the gameplay space? Uh, the biotic charge. Uh, this will be my answer every single time I see a question like this. That ability makes no sense to me. It's so stupid. It is fun. Don't get me wrong. When I've, is it the Vanguard or whatever that can use it? When I did my playthrough with that class, it is great fun and to do that. And then like the, 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 whatever biotic, like punch or whatever that like blows everything up. It's, it's, it's a ton of fun gameplay wise from a, uh, lore perspective or a aesthetic or a realism perspective. I just hate it. It is, it looks stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's just silly. It's silliness to the highest degree, but it's a game and that's okay. Uh, what devices are used in Mass Effect that help establish a setting, but have yet to display their true level of impact on the Mass Effect universe through narrative exploration and or gameplay? Uh, one that comes to mind is Mass Effect fields. What if they cease to function during a moment in combat? Um, I think for your example there, the biggest thing that we would see that I actually think is really interesting is that if, say, Mass Effect fields just stopped working, I think you would see humanity just completely dominate whatever occupied parts of the galaxy they're in because humanity has only been using Mass Effect fields for a very short time in their tech and stuff like that. And they are the most they most recently still know how to fight and move around without them where the turians and asari and all these other species you know for hundreds or thousands of years have been using mass effect fields and they're completely dependent on them where you would see humanity probably be able to go back 20 years pretty quickly or 30 or 40 years whatever and not feel completely uncomfortable without that so 
I think that's an interesting question. When it comes to what do I think has been uh, maybe not talked about enough, it's maybe not a great example, but I think that the post Reaper War Galaxy, um, the opportunity they have for the next game to to utilize the fact that there are you know hundreds of thousands of dead Reaper carcasses all over the galaxy that each contain hundreds of thousands if not millions of years of uh information about each of the cycles that they destroyed so you have to keep them like you have to remember that every single reaper was put together at the end of each cycle so these hundreds of thousands of cycles and that means that each each reaper has the learnings and the um developments and the technology within them uh you know in some capacity of you know hundreds of thousands of years each uh and i just think that there's so many opportunities to see some really fun ways to 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 deal with that in the next games you know the the as the franchise moves forward because i think there's there's just such a wealth of interesting storytelling and they can get maybe kind of weird with some of the tech and stuff because it's it will literally be basically an unlimited amount of possibility so i find that to be very exciting personally okay well we are going to start wrapping this thing up this is a little bit of a shorter episode than normal but there weren't any like huge topics i wanted to cover this week and um and yeah so uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm happy to get any feedback that you have that you want to give me and all of the ways I've told you that you can contact me. Um, you can find me all over the internet, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, on Twitch, as well as over on threads. I'm pretty active. Uh, if you want to support my content, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. You can subscribe over at Twitch uh, or you can check out uh, my merch. Uh, I actually think I have some kind of cool shirts and cups and things like that. Uh, you can get the link for that for at the uh, the link tree uh, link down in the description of the podcast or the video. Uh, that's all I have for that one. Uh, so until next time. I'm gonna go